1: Looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: What I'd like you to do is I'm going through this. I want to kind of set this on the table first. And here's what I'm setting on the table first it's when we die, it's not to go to heaven. It's not, I get a new body, no more pain. It's like, I'm looking forward to Jesus coming back because everything's going to be better now. It, we, we miss it, even in this context. The idea of this is that He's coming so that we will be with Him. I'm with Him. Him, And then he goes on to say we can't get to the Father but through him. So the idea is we're with him and he's with us and we're all going to the Father together. So it's a relationship thing. It's not a connection to rules and religions and rituals. It's not just so I go to a place in heaven and there's no, so to speak, harps and clouds and wings and halos and all that kind of stuff. It's so that we could be with him in heaven. Now some of you say, well, okay, I could stand that for an hour. I can put up even with the worship service for an hour. But more than that, I don't know if I can really do that. I know it's hard for us to fathom in our earthly, fleshly minds that we would want to glorify the Lord and sing praises to Him forever and ever. Amen. All of that. But I will tell you, when you get to heaven, you're going to get a new want-to thing going on. And God will change you. I don't want to. And I don't think so, too. I really want to because that's all part of what heaven's like, because you want to be with him. Now keep that in mind as we go through this, when he says, you want your troubled hearts relieved? I am going to help you with that, because I'm going to come, and I'm going to take you to be with me. Now stay with me, stay with me. That now tells me, that your problem may not go away. You may not be cured from cancer. Your, your investments may not go up. Your wayward child may not come back to you. Your relationship might not get better. Alright? But what it is saying is, no matter how bad this earth is, you're going to heaven. You have another place and it's going to be with Jesus. So that helps us now not to think that only when I don't have problems everything is going to be okay. It tells me that He's with me and I will be with Him and it's all about that next life when He comes for me. Keep that in mind, alright? Now let's go back to the passage. So now he says this in verse 2. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. That word, my Father's house, as soon as you read that you think in terms of mansions or one big, huge What's this thing we've seen on HGTV? There's this, this woman who used to be married to this great producer and they're doing this series on her, on her house and her mansion. She built one in, I don't know, Beverly Hills and then she built one in, I don't know, California. Now she's building one out there in L.A. How many know what I'm talking, in New York? How many know what I'm talking about? i watching this lady, I don't know if I forget her name, spelling I think her name is. And I'm watching all of this stuff here and I'm thinking, that is nothing like what heaven's going to be like. This house refers to the kingdom of God. As he is the king. This house refers to paradise. As it is a beautiful place. This this refers to a country so to speak. That is very very vast. This place is a place of great comfort. For all of those people. So when you read the word house. I want you to think in terms of this hugeness. That deals with where God is. It is his house. It is who he is. It's where he's at. Alright now that being said. Then it says in my father's house. There are many I guess you could call little houses or little dwelling places. Now maybe a way to look at that is it's not going to be like you're going to a... um, In in Southern California, they used to build all these row houses. you see all these houses everywhere. It's not like that. It's like one house and he keeps adding to that house... Rooms to that house. Some of you that have been in Pennsylvania, how many of you know how the Amish do that? They have this house, you get married, and dad adds another room for you and your family and another room for you and your family. They keep adding on. Here in Hawaii, they don't go out as much as they go up. If you know what I'm saying, say, uh-huh. Okay, so the idea then is God has this big expanse for us, and He keeps adding all of this. is all part of it for you and for me. Now, some of you are saying, "There's no way He can fit it all What is it going to be like?" I wish I had time to preach it. Write it down. Revelation twenty-one. It talks about it: the streets of gold, all the gates, all of that. It's fifteen hundred miles high, fifteen hundred miles wide, fifteen hundred miles long. So it's like one big cube. Now, don't think in terms of one big condominium, though. Okay, it's just a big building out there, big expanse. It talks about the new heaven. If you think about 1,500 miles, that's more than half the size of the United States of America, putting all the believers of all times into this with all their special dwelling places, the kingdom of God is that all that part being there, and now remember, it's 1,500 miles high, now we can't wrap our head around that, that's too much to think in terms of that high, 1,500, it's hard enough to think of a mountain 15,000 feet high, or 30,000 feet high, we're talking 1,500 miles high, so there's always enough there for any one of you, so no matter how bad you are, whatever you've done wrong, there's always room for one, more in God's family and in heaven for you. So whatever you're going through right now, this is your hell. This is the worst it's going to get for you because you have heaven. If you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, then the very best you can make planet Earth, that's good for you because that's your heaven. This is as good as it's ever going to get for you because you have hell you have to go to. And I say that not despairingly. I say that in a loving, warning fashion. You don't have to go there. Heaven is waiting for you. Being with Him in His ever-present Life, Existence is waiting for you when you trust Him. Alright, back to the passage. If I go to prepare um, in my Father's house are many dwellings, if it were not so, I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you. Underline the word place. Again, I want you to know it's not a halo for you or something. I want you to think it's a place like, like we have here. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to my cell that where I am there you may be also. That's where again where we get that relationship. I'm... Coming for you, relationship, where I am, you may be also, relationship together. It's about us being together and there happens to be a place involved in this as well. This is so cool when I read all of this stuff here, that he's doing this to prepare a place for you and he says, and where I go, I will come for you. Look up here for just a moment. I don't have much time to open up eschatology here, but I believe this is a very veiled but accurate preparation for the teaching of the rapture of the church that he talks about in 1 Thessalonians. Paul talks about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 because here's what he says. He says, I'm going to come for you and receive you to myself. That's the rapture. Then you have seven years tribulation. When he comes the second time to touch the earth, the first time is first coming. The second is kind of divided in two. When he comes the second time, he doesn't come with his with us believers. He's already come and taken us up to be with Him. He comes with His angels. Here, when He comes at the rapture, He doesn't come to judge at that time. Tribulation occurs. He then comes to judge. So He comes to the earth. So rapture, He comes for us, like we just read. Second coming at the end of the tribulation, He then will come to, come to us. And then what a beautiful thing He's bringing us with Him. Now, the thing that happens is, in heaven... We are going to have this wonderful relationship with the Lord. We'll be rewarded for the things that we've done right in our bodies. And then for all those that don't know Christ, there's going to be a horrible judgment at the end of that. So this is talking about, I believe, the future coming of Christ for the rapture of the believers for you and me. And so that's a great promise. Then in verse 4, he says, And you you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas now blurts out, he said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Now, I know he's given a bad rap because he's referred to as Doubting Thomas. I don't think he's doubting the Lord right here. I think he's just saying, I don't understand right here. Help me out. We don't know the way. Give us more information on this. You're going, how do we know the way? And Jesus then said... I am. Now, for a moment here, you might want to mark the phrase, I am. There's seven of them in the Gospel of John. I've taught you five of them. This is number six. There's one more in chapter 15. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. So this is the six of the seven I am's of Jesus saying who he is. He says, I am. Now he uses three, three uh, components. He says, you want to know the way? I am the way to get to the Father. I am the truth because I have God's truth. And I am the life because all life is in God. So he says, I am every bit of this. I am the way to the Father. I am the truth. I am the life. If you want to do a further study, you're going to find the Holy Spirit is referred to as truth. You're going to find scripture that says God is truth. you find Jesus is referred to as truth. So you've got the Trinity thing going on here so that you see the deity all happening here. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And no one comes unto the Father but through me. Now pause for a moment. Going back to what I said a few minutes ago about how everything hinges on Christ, that we talk about God, which we should do, but it helps us to define the true God but we, by bringing up Jesus Christ. All right? There's a lot of people who talk about Allah and all these other things as God this, God that. They manufacture their own God or God's capital G, little g, whatever, but now you've got Jesus in this. So now what we're saying is the only way you can get to the Father, get to God the Father, is through Christ. That teaching is throughout the New Testament. For it says there's no other name given among men, whatever name you can come up or exists already, that you are saved by other than the name of Jesus, Jehovah Yasha, God who saves. It says that the only way we get our salvation is by calling upon the name of the Lord, Jehovah, Jesus. And then we find out that he is the only mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. So everything hinges upon believing, knowing, going through Jesus to get to God. That's why it's important for you to mark that in your Bible, and especially mark your margin when it says that it's not by good works that gets us there. It says it's by Jesus. It's not the plan. It's not a place. It's not... Um, culture, it's not rules, religion, rituals, it's nothing other than the person of Jesus Christ. So, when I look at this passage, I say, if I'm going through troubles right now, here's what I think I'm not home yet, and I got to think about my home, and my home is going to be the one up in heaven. So, whatever I'm going through right now, it is okay because I have a home in heaven. I can only imagine what the martyrs thought moments before they expired when they were being tortured and finally died, when they realized there was no hope for them to be released from that torturing and that martyrdom, at that moment they were thinking not of the home they grew up in, not their home back home, can't wait to get home, it's going to be they were thinking of their home that was waiting in heaven where Jesus Christ and them would be together forever. They were thinking that. And I hope you would think that as well because that's this context of Scripture. And then... Who's the way? Jesus is the way. Now let me flip through these pretty quickly here because the next part of this, all this does is just substantiate the fact that Jesus is God. Verse 7 says, Jesus says, If you had known me, he stops talking to Thomas. All right? In verse 6, he's speaking to him, Thomas. Verse 7, he uses you. In the Greek, it's you all. So he's speaking to the broader audience. So now he speaks to the rest of the guys that are all there during his teaching moment. He said, Now you all had known me, or if you had all known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know Him. Now, now now on doesn't mean this very second, but from now on, you will know Him because I'm going to the cross. I'm going to then die. I'm going to resurrect again. Within two months, less than two months, you're going to have the Spirit, which will now confirm all of this through a supernatural partaking in you. From now on, you know Him and have seen Him because you've seen me. So Philip now chimes in and he kind of butts in here and he said, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Now pause, look up here for a second. Philip, again, being Jewish, would remember in the Old Testament that God often revealed himself, Christ, in what they call theophanies. That would be a physical representation of Christ before Christ came to this earth. Samson had one of these things. A lot of the other guys had these moments where God himself would visit them. So Philip is now saying, Okay, Jesus, show us God. Show us. Bring him down to us so we could really see him. Like a lot of Christians today, I won't believe it until I see it. I've got to touch it, taste it, and smell it for it to be real. And so he said, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Now when you start talking to those cults out there, this is a verse you want to show them, because now we're seeing where Jesus is God. How can you say, show us the Father, when you're looking at the Father through me? Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I have told you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Now this is interesting. You have the word words and you have the word "works," and it sounds like there's a misprint there. But the Father abiding in me says what he says or whatever. But there is a reason he uses the word words at the first part of that sentence and works at the next, at the, the rest of it. I'll get to that in verse 11. So he goes on to say to the gang, he says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe Because of the works themselves. Now look up here for just a moment. He says, I am telling you I am the Father. I'm telling you that what I'm saying is from the Father. If my words aren't good enough, he then says, go back down memory lane and remember the works that I did. And now you can do that by just opening up the Gospels and see everything that Jesus did before then. And everything he did was to help mankind. Everything he did, watch this, watch this, was not merely to help man, so there's that feel-good humanism going on. It was to substantiate that it was God himself. He was proving his deity by doing his works. So now he puts two of them together. He says, I am the words. And he says, these are my works. I have put both together to show you you that I am God. He did both of them. They are huge. And so again, if you have a troubled heart and you're wondering about all of this, you've got to go all the way back and say it is all about Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to open up some other practical steps because Jesus does that when I get into these other passages here. But for today, I want you to know, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, good, believe in Jesus. Secondly, I want you to remember Jesus is is coming for us to take us to be with Him forever and ever. So whatever you're going through, you'll be delivered out of it. Which now my last point is very quick. It's just one little simple verse. I want you to look at verse 12. The final thing is that the works that He did, He says, you can do as well. Oh, how precious that is. Look in verse 12. He says, truly, truly, we've already studied how many times that is found in this passage, in in, in the Gospel of John. Truly, truly, I'm not going to tell you a lie. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me Referring to salvation and the continued faith that you have in him. He who believes in me and continues believing in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And so simply stated right here is that whatever good works that Jesus did, he says that we can do. Now, I don't want you to get off on this thing because some of you are saying, "Uh uh-oh, he did all of these great works. Does that mean I can heal people, walk on water? Does that mean that I uh, can turn um, water into wine? No, 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 no. The works that he's talking about are the good deeds to help other people when they had a particular need. But then he goes on to say, he says, but the works that I did, you will do greater works than me. I pondered that phrase. How in the world can I do a greater work than the work that Jesus did? The works that Jesus did were all, if you'll notice this, were all earthly deeds that he did. They're mostly things that even when he raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus still died. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the works of Christ. But now when he says the works you do will be greater than his works will be this. He then fed 5,000. When Peter gave the gospel, the very first sermon of the very first church, what did he do? He had 3,000 people that came to know Christ as Savior. Jesus preached in Palestine to a few Jews and some Gentiles, Peter and John and the rest of the boys, they went global with that message and tens of thousands of people came to know Christ as their Savior. So I want you to think the works that you and I do are be greater in scope, greater in extent than what Jesus did, and in a sense the things that we do will add eternal value to other people. So now I'm saying that in this context for this reason. If, we're, if our hearts are not to be troubled, and I'm one of these guys hearing that he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Now believe in me. All right, I'm going to believe in you, Lord. Okay, I'm, I'm going to lock myself in on you. And then I'm hearing now that no matter what I'm going through, that you're going to come back for me and you're going to take me to be with you. Wow, so, I mean, I can be delivered out of these troubles. Not that the troubles are delivered out of me. I'm delivered out of these troubles. I'm calming down right now because there is a future beyond all of this trouble and it's eternal with you. And then I'm hearing over here that I can do some works, which automatically I start thinking, you mean I can do something? That means I have, watch this, watch this, I have purpose for existence. That means I am here, I'm not a snowflake in the blizzard of humanity that might do some things. The things that I do, I can spread the gospel. Now I'm going to go a little bit further out on a limb on my application, so just bear with me on this. Sometimes when you and I go through troubles, if we find ourselves coming alongside other people that have troubles, But we come not to commiserate with their troubles, but we come alongside them to kind of help them and encourage them. Doesn't that do something for us? Have you ever heard the story about when you have a broken leg and you try to help someone that has no legs? You know know what I'm trying to say. So maybe for some of us, instead of us always just sitting and moping and, and, and feeling down about our problems, maybe what we need to do is to realize there is a world out there. They have the same problems that I have. They get cancer, I get cancer. They lose their job, I lose their job. We have relational issues, they have relationships. The only difference is I have Jesus. He gives me peace. He comforts my troubled heart. They don't have that. So what I want to do is I want to get my eyes off myself, get rid of my ingrown eyeballs, and I want to reach out to those people, and I want to present them with Jesus Christ because He's the one that I trust. He's the one that I have an eternal relationship with in heaven. He's the one that gives me a reason for living right now because I'm going to do great. And I want them to know that. Now, all of a sudden, what does that do to my problems? It doesn't necessarily eliminate them. It just comforts my heart. Instead of us trying to eliminate our problems to comfort our hearts, let's just put our mind on Christ and let the mind of Christ dwell in us richly. Well, let's pray, shall we? Every head down, every eye closed. I really love you folks, and thank you for letting me build this, this um, case, so to speak, on the premise that the Word is God's mind on paper, and that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that He is the wonderful Counselor, and His Word is the Counsel. And so, Lord, help us to know this. Father, help us now as we are trying to make sense of our own troubles and to realize that no matter what we go through right now, our worst trouble is going to be being separated from You for all eternity. Lord, I pray for our dear people here, that they would realize that no good deed they do themselves will get them into heaven. I pray that they realize that how lost they are is so lost that nothing that they do will absolve them of that sin problem. That only you did that for us on the cross. Help them know that when you died there, you took all sin of all man for all time on yourself. And why God the Father, at that moment, at that very moment, that blackness of that moment, looked away. And then, Father, how that you had victory over death and rose again and sin paid for, eternal life offered to all of us who are undeserving. And so, Father, we are coming to you, receiving your mercy, receiving your grace, and thus, Father, receiving your forgiveness and then receiving eternal life. Because, Father, right now, we are believing in you and you alone, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin. I'm going to momentarily step away from my petition to our heavenly father and just invite you to join me in the rest of this maybe some of you right now would be willing to come to a point in your life to say i'm a sinner i need a savior the troubled heart that i have really i'm feeling this because of guilt it, i have a troubled heart because i've done things wrong and i'm suffering the consequences and oh it's just terrible but right now whatever consequence you are because of sin in, in your life and you're experiencing that guilt is still nothing of the consequence that'll be in the hereafter while we may not be able to minimize the consequence of your sin that you're experiencing right now with a troubled heart, today, I can assure you on the authority of God's inerrant word that you will not have a problem in the next life, that you will not have a problem getting into the next life with him forever and ever if you will go by way of Jesus Christ to God the Father. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. And he said that if you will now... Trust in Him as the way. If you'll believe in Him as the truth, that He is not lying to you. And will you now receive from Him the same life eternal that God has, that He gives to you? And then, your next life is assured, no matter what consequences you still have to endure in this life. And so perhaps then, your heart won't be troubled. Is there anyone in here today that's saying, I'm ready, I am ready to go to Christ. I'm running to Him by faith right now. I'd like to pray for you. Now, I'm not going to have you stand up. No, you're not going to have to run forward or anything. I'm going to ask you to just slip up your hand if you're trusting Christ as your Savior in here. You're not going to have to walk an aisle. I'm not going to come down to you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But I'd just like to know, is there anyone in here that's finally come to a point where they're broken and they're ready to say, yes, Lord, I am trusting in you for the full forgiveness of sin You are the way. I'm looking forward to you coming for me. And then you have a place for me in heaven where I'll dwell with you and the Father forever. And so Lord, thank you that my sins are forgiven. I'm trusted in you, you alone, not by my works. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, as I bring the prayer to a close, can I invite you to be in that prayer with me and I'll thank God. For you and welcome you into God's forever family. Is there anyone with heads bowed, eyes closed, slip up your hand if today's the day you're trusting Christ? Is there anyone at all? Put it up. Okay, Christians, then let's just remember these truths so that we would manifest to others genuinely a comforted heart in the midst of our own trials and tribulations. Help us now to at least begin the first step of knowing how we can help others with a troubled heart. Please be with us next week as this scripture continually opens to more truths so that our heart will not be troubled. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us your word. You know that we live in a sin-sick world, that not only have we had issues brought to us, we've, I'm sure, hurt others. And so, Father, however they've come, we know we have troubled hearts. Thank you that you have promised your disciples that... There is comfort for the troubled hearts. And so therefore, Father, our hearts don't have to be troubled. I pray for the one now that's still wrestling with it and it is so huge that they do need a brother if it's a guy, a sister, if it's a gal, to come alongside them and show them your word. And then, Father, that the beauty of the Holy Spirit would supernaturally comfort the troubled hearts. Help us in front of our children to be filled with the fullness of God so they don't always see us biting our fingernails and Griping and filled with anxiety and fear and confusion, disappointment. Help us to be filled with hope and peace and joy. That we will have long suffering when we suffer, but we'll suffer long with gentleness and meekness and kindness. For Father, we believe in God. We are going to keep on trusting in you. And we thank you that you're coming for us and will forever be with you. And so, Lord, we thank you now that as we spend eternity with you that we can do the works that are even greater than yours by looking out at others and reaching out to them who have troubled hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.